Good morning, church family. Today we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Um, in the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 979. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God. In grace. Good morning, Grace. I hope you all are excited that we are at the end of the year. How many of you are excited? Let me see your hands up. What? Not many of you are excited. You all still want to remain in 2023, right? Now, I want to move on to next year. I'm tired of this year. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so excited to bring God's word to you all today. Um, I'm just grateful for this opportunity to serve you all by bringing God's word and to also preach the word of God to you all today. Um, I'm grateful for what God is doing here at Grace Baptist Church. I'm grateful for all God has done all through 2023. Um, one of my memorable times in 2023 was the Grace Gives. I love Grace Gives a lot. Right? Even though I know I've just spent about two years here in Grace. But Grace gives always like, oh, I love it. Right? And, um, but I'm grateful for how God um, just gives us the strength to serve here at Grace Baptist Church. It's so wonderful. Um, so today, we'll be starting our series on um, the disciplines of grace. The disciplines of grace. So we're starting a new series on the disciplines of grace, and the title of my sermon today will be The Spirit-Filled Discipline of Prayer. The Spirit-Filled Discipline of Prayer. So back home in Nigeria, when I was about five years old, I lived in a small commercial community with my parents and siblings, and so every other month, my dad always paid a monthly community security fee. Like, it's just like a security fee for the community. Like, so we had some guards, right, some security guards who would always, like, make sure the community is secured at night. So um, every end of the month, they will come over to our house and ask for a security fee, which was probably about $200 at that time. Right, just equivalent to $200 at that time. Um, but I was five years old at that time, and that was so strange to me. And I would think, like, why is my dad paying these people this fee? Why? Why should he pay them this amount of money to secure us? I was just five. It, it was just absurd to me. It was just a waste of money to me. Why are we paying this? Daddy, stop paying this. But I, I never said that to him, though. It was always in my head. <laughs> All right? But my five-year-old mind could not comprehend why we were paying this fee, because I noticed that we never had any, like, we never had any thief come to break into our house in the night. 
So I'm like, why continue to pay all of this? No, we, we don't have thieves. Thieves are not coming to our house every night, so stop paying. <laughs> I, but I just could not, like, honestly, as a five-year-old child, I would always think, why are we paying this? Stop paying. But as I grew up, I understood better that you don't ensure security when you are robbed, but before you are robbed. <laughs> As I grew up, I began to realize that you don't only protect yourself when you see an attack, but sometimes you protect yourself in case of a future attack or potential threat. As humans, we, we have a need for security against attacks that negatively affect us emotionally, physically, or even mentally. As believers, we heavily see the need to be guarded against situations that prone us to sin or weariness in our spiritual race. For many of us, we have good intentions, right? Many of us will say, I have good intentions every day to be nice to my friend. I have good intentions every day to take the trash from the house, you know, just, just go dump it out. I have good intentions to be compassionate. I have good intentions to be kind to my friends, to be kind to my housemates, to be kind to my wife. I have good intentions to love everyone that I see. But then we discover that our good intentions are not enough. We discover that sometimes it seems that we have to fight to get what we want. We see, it seems that sometimes we have to fight to achieve these good intentions. And, and, and for some of us, it seems like we are losing the battle. And for some of us, it seems like, well, you know, you win today, tomorrow you lose. You win today, tomorrow you lose. Today your wife is like, honey, you're doing well. Tomorrow your wife is like, ah, nah, you're not doing well. <laughs> right? Wow, why am I talking like a married man? Okay, so, so, <laughs> so, so, you know what? And church, it seems like sometimes we need someone or something to guard us from the longings and the passions and the, sometimes the evil desires that seems to attack our intentions Sometimes it seems like we need someone to guide us towards pleasing God. It seems, that we, it seems like we need a security guard who would fight for us against malice, against anger, against sin, against addictions, against bitterness. Even as the year is coming to, a, to an end, there are some of us who might be saying, you know what? I'll keep fighting next year. I'll fight better next year. I'll write a better New Year resolutions. There are some of us who are also saying, you know what, I just give up. I'm done fighting. It seems like I lose every time. There are some of us who are here saying, you know what, I need help. I really need help. It seems like the good that I want to do, I end up not doing them. We all in this place would surely agree that we are in a battle. In one way or the other, we are in a battle. And for some of us, we are feeling defeated. And for some of us, we are feeling like, yeah, I'm great. Whatever position you find yourself today, God is saying to you, as Paul states in Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Be strong in the Lord. This is what God is saying to you today. Whether you think you are strong enough or whether you think you are weak, whether you feel like, yes, I'm, I'm great, or whether you feel defeated, God is saying to you today, the word of the Lord is saying to you, be strong in the Lord, not in your own power. Paul is not saying to the Ephesian church that they should be strong in their own strength. Paul is saying be strong in the Lord. Paul calls believers not to be strong in, even in their own might or strength, but to be strong in, in the Lord because, because 
They are in a battle against the schemes of the devil. Be strong in the Lord. And, and Paul would even say that we should what? Put on the whole armor of God. Not our own armors, not our own strategies. But Paul is saying, put on only God's own armor to fight your spiritual battles. So we cannot use human weapons or strategies to fight spiritual battles that surely impact our physical behavior. So church, Paul is saying here that while we put on God's armor, we must know that our enemy is also spiritual because we are not fighting against humans. We are not fighting against your, I don't know, your difficult boss at work. That's not the war you are fighting. But the war you are fighting is against spiritual forces, right? Paul will say that we wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's who you are fighting with. Paul is saying that you should know your enemy. You should even know your real enemy. And he's saying that when you know your real enemy and you're wearing your old bat, you're wearing your old um, weapon for warfare, you're wearing God's own weapon, he's saying by this, you will be able to stand. Paul is calling you to stand. And quickly, I'll just read through Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. Like, why is Paul calling us to stand? Or for some of us, the question should be, where is Paul call, calling us to stand? In Ephesians 1, 19 to 20, you know, Paul, Paul prays for the church, saying that we all may know what is the power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Paul is saying here, Paul is simply saying that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that resurrected Christ towards the throne of the Father, whereby Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, that same power is working in you, and that same power has made you alive in Christ. So right now, you are sitting with Christ on the throne with the Father above what? All principalities and above what? All powers. That's where you sit right now, church. Above all. Like all, all of this, like all of those cosmic powers of like evil, all of, all of those spiritual powers of evil, you sit above them. You're not defeated. Now again, Paul is saying, Know your enemy. This is it. You, when you're in your battles, you are fighting from the place of what? Victory. And your enemy is fighting from the place of what? Defeat. That's one thing you should know. And what does it mean to stand? To stand means that you remain secured in your position in Christ is that you remain secured knowing that you are in Christ and you are close to the Father than ever before. You're closer to the Father. And that knowledge should surely affect why we pray, how we pray, when we pray, or what we even pray for. So what does it mean today to pray in the Spirit? So to pray in the Spirit, all right, to pray in the Spirit is to, is to confidently place our request before the Father because of our union with Christ's enthronement with the Father above all power and authority. To pray in the Spirit is to be confident. Like when you pray, you are confident about where you stand in Christ. Because that's the only thing the devil can attack. The devil can't take you away from Christ. The devil can't take you away from God. Who is he? 
Wow, sorry, I'm being Nigerian right now. <laughs> That's how we speak, right? So, so the devil can't do that. But then he can just poke his nose somewhere and be like, oh, are you sure you are really a child of God? Are you really? I was talking to a brother recently, and, and one of the things he said to me, I feel so ashamed to call him a brother. All right, I was talking to Pastor Brady this, this um, sometime earlier this month, and, and he said one of the things, while he was counseling me, one of the things he said was, who told you, Golden? Who told you this? Who told you you are this way? Don't you know that Christ loves you? Who told you? And one of the things the devil can do is just to spill out lies about who you are. And what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? To pray in the Spirit is to acknowledge where you stand in Christ. So my first point, so today we'll be, we'll be talking about, you know, how our, how our prayers can demonstrate that it is Spirit-filled. My first point is, like, I'll be giving you all three points um, the first point is to pray in the Spirit is to pray from our position. To pray in the Spirit is to pray for all believers. And the third point is to pray in the Spirit is to ask for boldness to proclaim the gospel. So first point, to pray in the Spirit is to pray from our position. After Paul had admonished the efficient church to stand, putting on the whole armor of God, in verse 18, he encouraged them to pray at all times. In verse 18 of Ephesians 6, Paul says, you know what, pray at all times in the Spirit. All times in the Spirit. And, and then, yes, yes, the Ephesian church, they must wear the armor of God that, that God has provided to withstand the evil day. But they must pray at all times in the Spirit. So one of the biggest arguments in that passage is that, see, the devil does not attack all the time. The evil day does not come all the time, but it will surely come. But before the evil day comes, you must be standing and ready. You must be standing and ready. And that's what Paul was, what Paul was simply arguing right there. So, listen, many, many of us will admit that there are evil days in our lives, days that seem to test our faith, days that grant undesirable and unexpected situations. This could be issues with ourselves that seem to cause us to respond inappropriately. This could be an issue with our kids, our family members, our in-laws, our bosses, our housemates, our ministry, our, our colleagues at school or work, our church family. But guess what? Part of the devil's scheme is that the evil days don't come every day, but they will surely come. But in the absence of the evil day, we have to put on God's whole armor, and then we must always pray. So, but then the, the, the idea, the question for us again is this, what is the goal of the evil day? What is the goal of the evil day? What is the goal of the devil's attack? The evil days are as situations, trials, and temptations that make us insecure. And as, as I said earlier, they make us insecure and ignorant about God's grace, God's sovereignty, and God's character towards us. These are days where we ask questions such as, does God the Father have the best intentions for me? Are his, commandments of his, are his commandments of the best intentions? Does his will have my best interest? Does God love me? Has God forgiven me? Has God shown me grace and mercy? Does God care? Can I go to God? Does God hear me? Does God see what I'm going through? These are evil days. Those are the questions, those are, those are the kinds of questions that the devil can lay in our hearts that would raise up doubts about where we stand in Christ. See, listen again, the evil day does not happen every day, but we are called to pray in the Spirit at all times so that we can remain standing, 
The problem for most of us is that we want to pray in the spirit only when we sense an attack. We want to pray in the spirit when the evil day arrives or even after the evil day arrives. We want to pray only when there is trouble. But Paul is saying, pray in the spirit always. We, we pray in the spirit again. Now, this is the old key. Like I said earlier, I, I said to pray in the spirit is to confidently place our request before God in the knowledge of our position with the Father. So, we pray every day because we are with the Father. Not because we are scared of the devil. Not because we are anticipating the devil's attack. No. You pray because you are close to the Father. See, a, a little child does not run to the Father only when there is trouble. No. A little child sometimes will just run to the Father because the child is just excited to see the Father. Right? As a child myself, I remember just always being excited about my father for no reason. No reason. Like, I'll get to school, and then, like, five boys, we sit in a circle, and then we're like, my dad will beat your dad. <laughs> and then the other child could be like, my dad has more money than your dad. What? Why would he say that? Hurt my feelings. All right, so, so, but that's it, right? We are just excited to be, to, to, we are just excited about our fathers. Like, like as a child, the child is just simply excited to be with the dad. That's all. I know many of you dads here will say, oh my God, my kids are so grown. I miss those days, right? But that's it. That's it. The child is just excited to be with the father. And that's how we should be. We don't run to the Father because we, need, we just need help. We're just, sometimes we run to the Father because we are, in, we are in awe of how he has graciously loved us, how he has graciously been kind to us, how he has graciously showed us his mercy and compassion through Christ. And that is where we stand. You have that privilege to pray. This is why we pray. Church, this is why we pray. Not just when we need something from the Father. He is your, he is your Father. Do you believe that? In fact, when you read through um, Galatians 4 verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit of God in you affirms and confirms that you are children of God. The Spirit of God within you is saying to God, Brady is your child. Mark is your child. The church are your children. That's what the Spirit is doing every day, every time, and forever. And this is why we pray. We don't pray out of fear. We don't. We pray because we know the Father's love. And the Spirit within us affirms that we are children of God. God desires to hear us. He desires us. God has, God has victory and authority over all evil and cosmic power. God has victory over all of that through Christ. God has, God has victory, and that is where we stand today. And so our concern should not necessarily or primarily be about the evil days. Our concern should be about our Father. That, that's, that's like, I, I, I just want to be with my dad. I mean, of us have seen those, well, I, I watch a lot of baby videos on Instagram, so um, I many of you have seen those videos where the dad knocks on the door, coming back from work, and then once the dad opens the door, the baby just, oh, daddy! How many of us have seen those videos? Like, those videos are just so, oh, I want to be there someday. But, but that's it. 
The baby runs to the father like, he's like, I don't care about any other thing. I just want to be with the father. I just want to be with my father. Church, this is the confidence that we have. The confidence is that our prayer is from the knowledge of our, of our sonship that we, are, that we have. The confidence is this, is that we are, we are so in tune with our knowledge of our sonship that we are so also in tune with the will of God to the extent that the devil's scheme and enticements slowly become unappealing even before he attacks. Brothers, when you are in awe of the Father in your prayers, you begin to view all other hopes, all other pleasures, all other praises, all other longings as sinking sand. As you behold the glory of God, as you behold the victory of God, and as you behold the love and majesty of God. This is why Paul, Paul prays in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Like Paul says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and to know the love of Christ. That was Paul's prayer for the church. Paul is praying that we all may have strength to know the love of Christ. He's not praying that we all may, you know, may become so smart that we are able to, you know, fight against the devil. No. He's praying that you know the love of Christ. And you're just so saturated in the love of Christ that the devil's temptations are slowly unappealing. Church, we need strength to know the love of Christ. We need strength to trust that God loves us. We pray because, church, we pray because we want to know the love of Christ towards us and in us. Are you, are you praying today to earn God's love? Or are you praying because Christ already loves you? And, and if, if you're here today and you've not trusted in the salvation that, that Christ gives today, I want, to, I want to tell you that no prayer can make Christ love you more or less. Christ already loves you. Christ already gave himself for you and took the punishment of sin that was meant for you so that you can have a relationship with the Father. Jesus loves you. Quit trusting in your prayers and trust in the love that Christ gives you today. Some of, us, some of us here today will say, the reason I don't pray is because, you know, I don't have time. Some of you might say, I don't just have the motivation to pray. Some of you would say, like, some of you would say, prayer is boring. Prayer is just boring. I, I'd rather do something else. You, you might not say that out loud, but somewhere in your heart, you're like, I, I just want to do something else. I want to tell you that this is also a huge struggle of mine, too. Some of us will say that. Some of us would, some of us would say, I don't just know how to pray. I don't, I don't know what to say when I pray. I want to pray like Pastor Mark. I want to pray like Pastor Brady. I want to pray like Pastor Andrew. I just can't meet up to their standard of prayer, if they even have any. Some of you will say that, but I want to tell you some, something today. I want to say the lack of time to pray is not a matter of how busy you are. It's not a matter of disregard. It's not a matter of laziness, but it's a matter of ignorance of where you stand with the Father. So the questions you should be asking yourself is this. Why am I not excited about the Father? Not why am I not praying? What's happening here? What are some of the things distracting me from being excited about the Father and all he has done for me? 
I know, I know many of us might have never experienced the love of a father. For some of us, we have, you know, for some of us, we have lost our fathers to death. For some of us, we were abandoned by our fathers. But I want to say that I sympathize with you. It's, it's, it's a hard situation. God desires, but God desires to be that father to you. Listen, you are not fatherless. In Paul's prayer of adoration in Ephesians 3, 14 to 15, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. God is the Father of all fathers. God is the Father of all families. You are not fatherless. So let's not say I don't have time to pray. Let's not say I don't know what to say when, when I pray. Instead, ask yourself the hard questions. If God is my, my perfect father and I sit with him, why am I not finding time to share my burdens and my joy with him? Another question we can ask is, who told me there is a perfect time, place, and situation to pray? Who gave us that wrong information? Who told me that prayer is only for evil times? Brothers and sisters, you're always with the Father, and the Father is with you. So, so you can pray at all times. You can pray at all times. At some point, we all, we, need to, we, need to, we just need to say to ourselves, that, you know what, I'm not praying, something is wrong. Something is just wrong. Something is wrong somewhere. I can't tell you where it is wrong, actually. I wish I could, but I don't know. But you need to examine yourself, maybe um, alone or with a community, and ask yourself that question, like, what's wrong? Are, are you trying to say, let's even break it down some more. Are you trying to say you don't have time to adore God? Are you trying to say you don't have time to confess your sin? Are you trying to say you don't have time to thank God? Are you trying to say you don't have time to place your needs and your requests before the Father? Examine yourself, brothers and sisters. Let all, let all of us do that, including myself bringing this to you, right? Let's all do that. What's the problem? What's wrong somewhere? And, and this is why I was listening to a, a, a podcast by um, very, one, of my, one of my favorite preachers, um, that's Michael Reeves. And then he said, at some point, we all need to pray so that we will be able to pray. We all need that. We all need that. All right, my second point. So, to pray in the Spirit is to pray for all believers. Paul says in verse 18, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints. As I said earlier, a reluctance to pray is not a matter of poor communication skills. It's not a matter of laziness. It's not a matter of busyness. Also, our reluctance to pray is not a matter of our poor communication skill, our laziness, or our busyness, but a matter of ignorance of the believer's oneness with the body of Christ. Our reluctance to pray sometimes is just a matter of our ignorance that we are one. We are one body in Christ. We forget that at times. And if you read Ephesians 2, 15 to... Um, sorry. Okay, if you read Ephesians 2, 15 to 16... Paul says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I want to tell you something today. In Christ, we not only have victory over sin, victory over death, victory over spiritual powers of evil, but overall, we have victory over hostility. We have victory over every wall that divides us because Christ has become our bond of love. We have victory in that area. That's what Christ is to us. 
Christ has given us victory over division. So listen, through that passage, that, through that passage, Paul is communicating that through the death of Christ, we have been reconciled to God as one body. We are not reconciled to God individually. We are reconciled to God together. We are reconciled to God as one body. Therefore, we know clearly that if one part of our body is not functioning properly, it will affect the other part. Let's imagine your spinal cord is not, is not performing properly. It will affect the functioning of your leg. So praying for others shows that you care for others and you care for their soul and their spiritual well-being and you recognize that Christ is at work in them even as he is at work in you. It is so easy to see God at work in us rather than in others. It is so easy to want God to work in us rather than in others. Prayer is an opportunity to have proper perspective about others. To see, prayer is an opportunity for you to see your brothers and your sisters as, in quotes, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Prayer is an opportunity to see um, others as co-children of God whom God loves and cares for regardless of their level of maturity or level of immaturity or level of struggles. When you don't pray for other believers in the body, the question is, do you care about others? And another question is, do you even care about yourself? Because we are one. So when we say, I don't have time to pray, when we say, I don't know how to pray, the question should be, do we care that we are one together in Christ? Do we know that? That as we all, as you are not just the only one sitting at the right hand with the Father. You are sitting together with every other believers in Christ at the right hand of the Father. Jesus also prayed, Jesus prayed this prayer in um, John 17, 21. He says, he says, he prays that the church will be one as he is one with the Father. Jesus cares about the gospel of peace, unity, and oneness. Do you care about that? Do you know that our unity is, our unity is one of the ways to evangelize to the world filled with hostility and division? So knowing that we share the same baptism, into the same spirit, our unity in Christ should bridge the gap that causes hostility. So therefore, we pray for the unity of the church. One of your biggest prayers should be for the unity of the church. We must put on, this is why we must put on the shoes, the shoes of readiness for the gospel of peace. And again, do you know that the biggest scheme of the devil is to bring division are we waiting until the evil day of chaos before we pray for our brothers and sisters? Are we waiting? So as believers, as believers, this is the confidence that we have in, in, in prayer for our brothers and sisters, regardless of their ethnicity, their race, their temperance, their political leanings, their age, their social status, their accent. That their doctrinal stand, their difference in point of view, we pray for everyone because they are one with us. We pray for all. Again, in our church, we have what we call the church directory, right? And um, I just want to say that I'm not just, what I'm about to say now, I'm not just calling you all to like just, you know, pray through the membership directory, but I just want to tell you all something and which, which has worked for me, I'll say this. The church directory is an opportunity to have an unbiased prayer, right? Because many times we want to pray for people that are in need. We just want to focus on that. Many times we just want to pray for the people that we know or the people that we like. Many times we want to pray for our enemies. Y'all need Jesus, 
right? <laughs> and, and, and many times, we want, but, then, but then we must, we must also, we can also cultivate the habit of praying through the church directory. Pray for them by their names. They need your prayer. Many of them have their struggles. They have their joys. Pray for them. Pray for all of them here. Because, and again, above all, pray for everyone here because they are one with you. Do you believe that everyone in this church directory are one with you in Christ? Yes, they are. So you pray for them. You pray. And, and this is why, again, it seems like I'm just taking you all through the book of Ephesians, right? So this is why even in Ephesians 3.18, Paul, Paul would pray. He said, he prays that we all may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth of God's love. Paul is not just saying that, you know, personally we should know the love of God. No. Paul is saying that when you even pray for your own spiritual maturity, pray for others too, that they grow, grow spiritually. Pray for their spiritual growth too. Because the goal is that you should comprehend the love of Christ, not alone, but with all the saints. Not alone. So don't say you don't know how to pray. Don't say you don't know what to pray for. Don't say you don't know, you don't know who to pray for. Yes, you can pray for someone. We need it. We need your prayer. We need your prayer. You should pray for others with the same intensity that you pray for yourself. All right, my final point. It says, um, final point is to pray in the Spirit is to ask for boldness to proclaim the gospel. Finally, we, we pray in the Spirit for boldness to proclaim the gospel. Paul says in verse 19 to 20, that's Ephesians 6, 19 to 20, it says, Pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Hey, brothers and sisters, to those who preach the gospel among us, trust me, those who preach the gospel among us, those who carry out the gospel among us, they need your prayer. They need it. So listen, we, we, have, we have learned about the great reversal. How many of us can remember Pastor Brady, Pastor Brady preaching about um, the great reversal? How many of us remember that? Oh, just a few of us. What? It's all right. All right, I'll remind you all. Okay, so Pastor Brady said this, right? I can't say it in Pastor Brady's voice, but this is it. Pastor Brady said this. He said, in Christ, the rich has become poor. The high has been made low. The low has been made high. That's the great reversal, and that's the gospel. The gospel is that everyone sits in Christ. Everyone sits with the Father, equally sits with the Father, Equally, everyone. And that's the gospel that we preach. That's it. Trust me, that's hard to preach in our world today. The rich wants to remain rich, right? And sometimes, well, I don't know, the poor sometimes might want to remain poor, right? Like sometimes, I'm not saying all the time. Right? But then the gospel brings us together as one. The, gos the gospel says that the rich deserves to know God. The rich can know God. The gospel says that the poor can also know God. The gospel says that the proud can know God and the humble ones can know God. Or else they'll be proud about their humility. Right? Hey, brothers and sisters, 
Those who carry this gospel, they need your prayer because this kind of gospel, it, it is what? It is foolishness to the wise. It is foolishness to the wise. And guess what else? Like, I didn't even put this in my note. Paul would also say that, pray for me. I, I'm like, I need your prayers. I'm the least of all of you that should be carrying this mystery of the gospel. Trust me, like, I know our pastors. They, they don't see themselves as something. I've seen their humility. I've seen their humanity. I've seen them. So they need your prayer. So, brothers, with that said, with that said, every gospel worker needs boldness to teach the gospel. Every gospel worker has something, every gospel worker has something that can potentially hinder them from teaching the gospel. Every gospel worker sometimes feels that they don't deserve to be called to ministry to which they serve. Every gospel worker needs only the strength that God gives. So we all, together, we all have the calling to pray for them that they might boldly declare the gospel as they ought to. Are you praying for every gospel worker who shares and makes disciples through the gospel? Are you, praying for, are you praying for our volunteers in this church? Like those who teach the gospel, maybe in, um, in grief share, in the ministry of grief share, those who, who carry out the gospel in the ministry of, um, in, in the Christian counseling ministry in our church? Are you praying for our missionaries? Are you praying for them? They carry the gospel from one place to another, from one nation to another nation, from one tribe to another tribe. Are you praying that, the, that they teach the gospel boldly? Boldly. Paul was asking that, Paul was asking for this boldness because he recognized these chains. Like if you've ever, like how many of you have evangelized to someone before? How many of you felt scared before you evangelized? Trust me, that's your chains. That's it right there. We all have one reason why we don't want to, but if we search our hearts, we just see that, well, I just need boldness. Many of us will say, I just need boldness, like, ah. Uh. We need the boldness that the Lord gives. That's what we need. Are you praying for the volunteers and the teachers and the helpers in Awana, right? Trust me, like those teachers in Awana, they are not there to just teach our kids to be good kids. They are not there to just teach our kids to be obedient kids. But they are there to show our kids the mercy of God. They are there to show our, our kids how Christ has come down to die for their sins. Please, church, don't say don't say you don't know what to pray for. Finally, are you praying that you'll be able to boldly proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it? Are you praying that you yourself would have that boldness to take the gospel, to preach the gospel? Are you praying about that? So before you say, I don't have time, and, or before you say, I don't know how to pray, or I don't have time to pray. Prayer is boring. I want you to know something. I want you to know that Christ himself delights to hear you pray. God, our Father, delights to listen to you. Christ's hands are wide open to hear your confessions and your requests. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time 
of need. We have a perfect high priest, church, and that's Jesus Christ who sits before the Father. He's not just sitting before the Father. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He represents us before the Father and prays for us. What makes him even more perfect is that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. He's the God, Christ is God, who says, I understand your weeping. I understand your tears. I understand your pain. I understand your joy. I understand. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And then Christ, Christ is also saying, I am perfect. And I will use my perfection to show you mercy. Many other gods want to use their perfection to show how supreme and great they are. But Christ, who is God, is saying, I'll use my perfection to show you mercy rather than condemnation. I'll use my perfection to show you help rather than mock you. I'll use my perfect sympathy to grant you grace rather than just boast of my supremacy. That's the God we serve, church. That's the God we serve. Would you run to Christ today? Would you run to Christ in confidence of his mercy? Would you run to receive help? Would you stop running elsewhere to find strength? Would you pray? Brothers and sisters, we can all pray at all times in the spirit. Will you say today, Lord Jesus, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense is your righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for how much you love us and you want us. Thank you, Father, that you delight in hearing our voice. You delight in hearing our cry for help, oh God, because you are willing to embrace us in those times, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are even willing to hear our screams of joy. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, you grant unto us the strength to know your love. You grant unto us the strength to know how much you love us so that we might be able to stand in the evil times. For in Jesus' name, amen.